0: If God's word, please, be turning to the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter two. We're reading there in just a few minutes. Appreciate you bringing your Bible and uh, following along as we study God's word together. I understand the one. Uh, the well-known preacher Jay Bernie McGee one time uh, traveled to South Africa, and uh, Ken Edwards tells a little bit about the story that. Uh, happened during that particular trip. It seems that as he was traveling through a small town, he saw a group of boys gather around a circle uh, that they had drawn in the dust, and they were playing a game. And McGee realized that they were playing a game that he had often played as a boy, and perhaps you played as a boy or girl, a game of marbles. And so McGee came closer and was looking at these uh, South African boys, and he noticed that the children had substituted the uh, the glass marbles that we usually use in North America. They had substituted them uh, for stones that were common in that area. And so McGee kept looking and he noticed that these were not ordinary stones they were playing with. In fact, these boys were playing marbles with diamonds. And the children had no idea of the true value of uh, the stones they were playing with uh, some of the most precious stones in all the world and they were there playing marbles with them they were playing marbles with diamonds as i read that i thought about the fact that that's how most people treat christmas we come to this special time of the year we celebrate uh, the birth of the lord jesus christ that great gift that was given and we forget the treasure that was given Uh, We forget that God came wrapped in human flesh. We take these precious truths, these diamonds, and we busy ourselves playing marbles. Uh, Yeah, we give Jesus a thought here and there, and we think about the nativity scene once in a while. But uh, Christmas, for most folks, has become simply a holiday of greed and self-interest. And that's why we're taking each Sunday of the month of December a journey to Bethlehem. And one of the reasons we're taking this journey is to help us to keep our focus on who it ought to be upon to help us remember what Christmas is all about. And today we're going to journey to Bethlehem again and we're going to be traveling with the wise men. And I trust by now you found Matthew chapter two and we're going to be reading there in just a moment. But before we read today, I want to clear some things up right away when it comes to these wise men. First of all, who were these wise men? Well, to be quite honest with you, we don't know exactly. Well, where did these wise men come from? Well, to be perfectly honest with you, we don't know exactly. There are wise men from the east. Well, how many wise men were there? I mean, normally we see three, right? In the Christmas pageant, the nativity scenes and so forth. But in reality, we don't know how many wise men there were. There may have been. Three. There may have been more than three. We don't really know. Three is often used because of the three gifts they gave, but there may have been far more wise men. Well, another question is, well, when did they come to see Jesus? When did these wise men appear? Now, in our our Christmas plays, they appear somewhere after the shepherds, right? But in reality, we don't know exactly when they came, but it was not on the night of his birth. Now, we have to do it that way in the Christmas place because most folks don't want to come back a couple months or a couple years later for the wise men to enter. The kids grow up, right? But in reality, it may have been several months. It may have been a year. It may have been more than a year. It may have been upwards of two years because when they arrived, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, they're not in the stable, they're in a house. Matthew chapter 2 verse 11. And we know that uh, Herod had the male children killed who were two years old and younger. Chapter 2 verse 16. So already we know there's a lot that we don't know about these wise men. We don't know who they were exactly, we don't know where they came from exactly, we don't know how many there were, and we don't know when it was that they came. But here's the good news. What God wanted us to know about them, he gave us here in his word. And while we don't know a lot about them, there is quite a bit revealed about them. And so there's plenty to chew on. So that being said, we've set a stage now. Let's jump in and read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, these words. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Verse 7 says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring word back to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures. They presented gifts to him. Gold. Frankincense. And myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. Now these twelve verses that we just read. uh, Have a lot of lessons for us. Now one of the dangers we have when it comes to the Christmas story. Is. Is familiarity sometimes makes us kind of lazy and we just kind of read through the story and we've heard this, we know this. And so my goal at coming to these stories has been to come at them in a fresh way, to read them like I'm reading them for the first time and allow God to, to teach me some things and show me some things. And so I want to show you several lessons here from these 12 verses, if it's OK with you, for just a few minutes. First of all, I want you to notice when it comes to the story of the wise men coming. I want you to notice this. Christ had come and some didn't know. Christ had come and some didn't know. Look there again at verses 1 through 3. It says, during uh, the days of Herod the king, wise men from east came to Jerusalem. And here's the question they had. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Now, do you find it interesting to note that the long-awaited Messiah had come and many didn't even know it? In fact, Jesus may have been approaching two years of age at this time. He may have been to it this time. Yet it took these strangers uh, from out of town to come into Jerusalem saying, hey, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Herod didn't know he had been born. And when he found out, it says he was troubled. And it says Jerusalem was troubled with him. And I think one of the reasons Jerusalem was troubled was because Herod was troubled. And they weren't sure exactly what Herod was going to do. And we know that their, their concerns were well-grounded and well-founded. Because we did not continue reading. Because and if you continue reading Matthew chapter 2, you know that Herod goes out and slay, uh, slays all these uh, baby boys from two years old and younger. But back to the point. Christ had come, and some, I would even say most, did not know. Christ had come, and some didn't know it. Now listen, things are not much better today in 2011. Many might acknowledge that, uh, yeah, Christmas has something to do with this baby Jesus that was born, but they don't know the full story. They have no idea why he truly came. They don't know, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. You see, Jesus traded that manger for a cross. He voluntarily laid down his sinless body, his perfect body, his perfect life on that old rugged cross to take our place, to pay our pardon, to forgive us. And then he was buried and then he arose again victorious. He came to die. He came to take our place. Remember, Jesus is no longer in the manger. He's no longer on the cross. He's no longer in the tomb. He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's coming again in victory and in might. And most people do not know that. And most people do not know him. You might be thinking, no, oh, come on, preacher. I mean, we're living in the modern day. The gospel's everywhere. Yes, it's been in books for years, but now it's on the radio, it's on the television, it's on the internet. Surely. Most everybody's heard the gospel. Well, let me give you some startling stats here. These were shared with us at our Baptist State Convention. I want you to grab a hold of these. This is what's going on in North America. North America. Do you know that in North America, just North America, there are 259 million people without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? Can you get your arms wrapped around that? 259 million people who are headed to a Christless eternity in hell. Let's bring it a little closer home. Let's talk about our beloved North Carolina. You know, I was born and raised in North Carolina. Uh, I've spent the majority of my life in North Carolina. With the exception of some college in Pennsylvania and some college in Virginia and and, uh, a little less than two years in Tennessee doing ministry there, I have been in North Carolina my life. Love it. Many of you are from North Carolina. Some are from other places. We don't hold that against you. My wife isn't from North Carolina. She's almost lived in North Carolina as long as she lived in Pennsylvania. So we've almost got her. Over the hump. But listen, our population in North Carolina, do you realize our population is 9.4 million people live in North Carolina? 9.4 million people. Now listen, do you know how many of those 9.4 are dying without Jesus Christ? Buckle up, listen. 5.6 million do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Talk about a mission field. Listen, we don't have to go any further than just out on the front steps and look around. We live on a mission field. Did you know that there are now 230 different languages spoken in North Carolina? Now, that's not different accents. That's different languages. 230 different languages are spoken in North Carolina. Now, think about that. There are millions of people in our state, in our neighborhoods, in in, in our counties that do not know Jesus Christ. And there are a host around us here in Anson County and Stanley County and Union County and other places you may find yourself going who do not know Jesus Christ. Christ had come and some didn't know. And they need to know. And we need to tell them we need to be sharing the gospel Sharing the good news that Jesus saves. But here's an even sadder point, I believe, as we learn from the wise men and their story. And that's this. Christ had come and some didn't care. Christ had come and some didn't care. Look at verses 4 through 6. It says, Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, did you catch what's going on in that verse? They knew the prophecy. We studied it last week. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They knew where he was going to be born. They knew it was prophesied. Wise men had just shown up in Jerusalem, just shown up in town saying, hey, where is he that is born king of the Jews? Herod brings in the scribes, these religious leaders say, hey, where is he to be born? Well, here it is. Micah chapter five, verse two. They didn't have the chapters and verses, but there it is in the prophecy. He'll be born in Bethlehem. But what did these scribes, these religious leaders do? Did they rush to Bethlehem with the wise men to worship? Did they rejoice in the fact that Messiah had come? No. Christ had come. And it appears they really didn't care all that much. They didn't really. Yeah, he came. Warren Weirky pointed out that the Savior, the Son of God, was five miles away. Yet they did not go and see him. Think about that. They didn't care. Now, they knew the word, right? They pulled out the scroll and here it is. Micah 5. There it is. He's coming. Born in Bethlehem. They knew the word, but they ignored the word. How many times do we do the same thing? We know what God's word teaches. We know what God says. We know what he's told us to do, yet we don't do it. We know what he's told us not to do, yet we do it. By the way, that's still called sin. Sin of omission, sin of commission. Things we don't do, we ought to do, and things we ought not to do that we do. They knew the word, but they ignored it. They really didn't care. There's a lot of folks like that. They've heard the gospel, they've heard the Christmas story, and the story of Calvary and the death, burial and resurrection of Christ. Yet they don't care. See, the wise men remind us that Christ had come and some didn't know and some didn't care. But the story doesn't end there. We learn likewise that Christ had come and some knew, some cared, some came and some shared. I'm talking about the wise men. Pretty awesome, these wise men. I love their boldness, don't you? They arrive in the city of Jerusalem and they don't make any bones about their intentions. Look again at verse 2. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to what? To worship him. I love their boldness. I love the fact that they say, hey, we're here to worship Jesus. We're here to worship the one born king of the Jews. They come to worship him. And I want to think with you for just a few minutes about their worship and what it involved and how it came about. I want you to notice when it comes to their worship, that first of all, they gave their time. They gave their time. Can you imagine the time that it took for them to come to Jerusalem. And then they didn't stop in Jerusalem long. They they got their traveling marching orders and they moved on to Bethlehem. Imagine the time it would have taken for them to come. Now, listen, let's be honest about it. Some of you struggled to come to church this morning. Honestly, let's be honest about it. You, You struggled to get up. It was a great morning to sleep in. It was chilly. It was a great morning to roll over and snooze a little longer and Get up and mosey about your day and get a cup of coffee or whatever it is you drink and have a great day. Get the newspaper and just have a wonderful time. You struggled to come to church this morning. Listen, these men, they may have been traveling for months, maybe even a year or longer. to come to see the one who's born king of the Jews. They gave up their agenda for that time. They gave up their plans, their schedules, their goals. To find the one born king of the Jews. I want you to hear me. Hear me well. Jesus is worthy of our time. Jesus is worthy of our time. Now me be honest today. How much of your time is devoted to Jesus Christ? How much of your time is devoted to him? Do you feel especially holy today because you made it for church? And maybe you're really holy because you made it for Sunday school and church. I mean, really, is that the way we think? You know, whoa, I've done God a big favor. I made it to Sunday school and church, and I was on time. Listen, these wise men, they travel for months, maybe a year, maybe longer. Jesus deserves all of our time, not just some of it. He deserves our lives. If we're we're here, we're, we're his by creation. And if we're saved, we're his by redemption. He bought us. He paid for us with His precious blood. Every moment's to be given to Him. Every act is to be an act of worship. Whether we're changing diapers or changing tires, it doesn't matter. The Bible says we're to do all to the glory of God. Our whole life, all of our time, is to be devoted to Him. And listen, within the will of God, we can live our lives and we can have fun and we can fellowship. We can work. We can rest. We can go on vacation. We do all these things to the glory of God. Do all those things to God's glory. The wise men gave their time, but they didn't stop there. The wise men also gave their treasure. And we could talk about the trip itself. Traveling is expensive, isn't it? Have you noticed that? It's painful at the gas pump, isn't it? It's painful at the ticket counter to get an airplane ticket. It's painful, it's expensive. It's even painful to go into the fast food restaurant now. Prices have gone up, it seems. It's expensive to travel and all that goes with it. But go beyond that. They didn't stop with just the trip expenses. They brought him some wonderful treasure. They brought him three gifts, it says in verse 11. They presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now listen, these were not Dollar Tree gifts. These were not re-gifts. We were joking about re-gifting this morning. Maybe you re-gift. Just make sure you don't give it to the same person. Or the same family. These weren't Dollar Tree gifts. I understand that wa- a guy bought his wife a beautiful diamond ring for Christmas. And one of his buddies said, Well, listen, I thought she wanted one of those pretty four-wheel drive vehicles. I thought that's really what she wanted. And he said she did. But where in the world am I going to find a fake Jeep? Uh, Laughter I just gave some men some ideas. That's a sad thing. <laughs> Cubic zirconia is your friend. Listen, if you give yourself to the Lord, it's easy to give everything else. He's worthy of everything we have and everything that we are. And these wise men remind us of that. These men were wise indeed. You see, they knew the star had appeared. Uh, they cared. They cared enough that they came. And when they arrived, they shared. They shared. They said, listen, we're here. We're here to find the one born king of the Jews. We have come to worship him. What an example they are to all of us today. Now, here's the real question. What about you? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there been a time in your life where you realize that you are lost and undone? Hopeless, couldn't save yourself. But that baby that came and was born and placed in that manger, that was God wrapped in flesh. And that very child, he grew and he lived a sinless, perfect life. Then he said, because I love you. I love you. I'm going to allow them to take me and beat me. I'm going to allow them to take me and nail me to a cross. I'm going to allow them to hoist that cross between heaven and earth and drop it into the ground. And I'm going to hang there bleeding and dying because I love you. And they're going to take my body and place it in the tomb because I love you. But then the third day, I'm going to get up from the grave because I love you. I'm going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And I'm going to make the way, the only way, for you to be at peace with God. As you put your trust in me. Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you know him today? If not, listen, you may get some great gifts, and I hope you do. But the greatest gift you'll ever get is the free gift Of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. Our Lord. He paid the price. The gift is yours for the taking. I'm going to invite you today to come and take it. Take it by faith. And then if you already know him today. Are you sharing him? Are you sharing the story? Are you saying listen I worship The one who came. The one who died. The one who arose. Are you worshiping him this Christmas season? Does he have your time? I don't mean just, I mean all of your time. He said, my life is an act of worship for the Lord. Does he have your treasure? Whatever it is, if you said, Lord, it's yours. I give it all. And are you using what he's giving you for his honor and his glory? You see this Christmas season many are busy playing marbles with diamonds. But I want to challenge you to instead to stop and realize the true treasure that's yours because that babe came and was born born to die and he lives forevermore. Don't play marbles with diamonds. Instead hold on and value the treasure and go out and give it away to others saying Jesus Christ saves father i thank you for jesus christ i thank you for the wise men and their example i pray that your holy spirit will be at work in hearts and lives this morning i cannot save anybody No one else here, Father, we know can save anybody. Only Jesus. We have put forth the invitation, God. We've invited those who do not know Christ to come. I pray they will. I pray that this Christmas season they'll receive the greatest gift. They'll receive Jesus Christ. And then, Father, I pray for those of us. Who maybe have been busying ourselves with marbles. That you'd help us to stop. To regroup. And to put our focus where it belongs. We know that you're not against giving gifts. And having food and fellowship. And enjoying family. But Lord it's so easy for us to forget. The true meaning. So Father help us to be busy. Praising you. And treasuring the treasure that's ours in Christ. Bless this invitation. Thy will be done for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning. Most appropriate one for our passage. 113. We three kings of Orient are. As we stand and sing today, the altar is open. Let's stand and sing on 13.